Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I am Ben. Ben, this is a, I don't know if it's big news or not, but I mean, we're up to part 14 of Nuts and Bolts already. Yeah, it feels uh, feels pretty good. I don't know if we should even continue to put you know part number on this anymore. Now that we're already up to like 14, 15, 16, whatever we're at. Yeah, it's uh, it, it seems like it's too much. Like maybe we just nuts and bolts, and every time it comes up, we don't really have to say what edition it is. Yeah, hopefully or uh, a clever name. Right. I was thinking exactly, Scott. I was thinking a clever name because one thing that might interest you guys listening out here uh, is that. You and I don't really know what the other guy is going to be bringing to the table when we do this. No, this is all uh, all winging it. Yeah, this is winging it, and uh, maybe we should just name it after one really interesting thing that we find during the show. Hmm. I don't know, but we'll keep we'll keep this one as fourteen. Yeah, I think fourteen is fine for this one. But you're right, and that, that might be an interesting twist to the whole thing if we. Uh, Nuts and Bolts, the uh, the Red Bees edition. Right, yeah. We have one that was like Nuts and Bolts Rides Again or something. I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. Um, but quick recap for the newer listeners who are saying, Scott, Ben, Super Producer, Noel Brown, what the heck are you guys talking about? You're not going to do a show about nuts and bolts, are you? No. No, this is a show about nothing. Show about everything. <laughs> Maybe everything. That's uh, that's a better way to say it. We're yeah. We are uh, we are always walking out of the studio every time we record, saying, "Ah, there was this other thing we should have talked about, or there's this other thing we wanted to do. Why didn't we get to that listener tweet or listener email?" So eventually, uh, Scott, you and I just made a show where we cover everything that. Maybe wasn't enough on its own for one big episode, or uh, maybe it's just something interesting that we we thought you would like to hear about too. It's a catch-all podcast, and it also gives us a chance to just kind of write down some notes in front of us and say, 
Oh, you know what? Last week I saw that Cadillac again. I thought I would mention it on this one because, uh, and, and you know, just little stuff like that that just accumulates and accumulates in, in post-it notes all over my desk. Mm-hmm. And then finally I put them all on one piece of paper and I bring it in here and see if there's any kind of interest. And there may not be, but uh, at least I've got it off my, you know, to-do list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you say, Scott? Should we just jump in? Yeah, let's jump in and let's start with uh, a little bit of listener mail, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, a, just a few. And, you know, I've been trying to get back to all of our listeners, which this is good news, by the way. There's a lot of listener mail pouring in now for car stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, and I try to answer a bunch of it, as much of it as I can. I can't get to everybody. I always say this every single time. I try to get back to everybody, but it's just impossible at this point. So I'm I'm doing my best. The ones that I haven't responded to i'll try to read here today but i don't know if we're going to get through a lot of them because i've got a bunch of other stuff going on so mm-hmm. um that's my kind of uh overall dis- <laughs> disclaimer for this whole episode okay so uh someone wrote in recently uh, and recently i mean december 20th um about tanks oh and yeah yeah i remember this one eric w wrote in and you've got kind of a tank fascination a military vehicle fascination absolutely i understand why but uh but he wrote in about tanks and he says after the uh the fastest electric car episode that you, you guys talked about driving tanks and he knows a little bit of something about the m1 tank he says the m1 tank has a t-bar uh, so you think of like a motorcycle handlebar with a twist grip accelerator um it also has an automatic transmission the driver lays down like in a lazy boy recliner. That sounds nice. Yeah. And uh, the transmission has the usual high, low, neutral, and reverse, but it also has a pivot mode where uh, one track rolls forward and the other track rolls in reverse so that it can, you know, spin on a dime. It can just pivot. Mm-hmm. It can rotate. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. This is kind of surprising to me. Right now, the M1 is governed at 45 miles per hour because we were talking about the speed, I believe. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the whole gist of this. We mm-hmm. could jump tanks, right? So, so. <laughs> Uh, the M1 is governed at 45 miles per hour right now, but when we first got them in Germany back in the 1980s, they were governed at 60 miles per hour. Oh, wow. 60. Can you imagine traveling 60 miles per hour in a tank? I'm going power mad oh, just thinking about so it. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've seen video of this happening, or film probably, mm-hmm. of this happening. He says there was a section, oh, this sounds so cool. There was a section of abandoned Autobahn that was in our sector. It was about 15 miles long, and yes, we would drive along the border in this section so that the East Germans could see how fast our new tank was. <laughs> so kind of a little, little bit of showboating, right? And again, that was Eric W. from, uh, I'll try this name. It's from a, a, a city in Georgia, Ludowisi. Ludowisi. Am I saying that right? I'm not sure. I think so. He spelled it out phonetically here, and I still can't get it. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's Ludowisi. But, but thank you, Eric. That's interesting to know. I, I mean, I knew they were quick. Yeah. But I didn't know that at one time you could go 60, 60 in an miles M1 now. tank. Tanks, man. Yeah. Tanks, Scott. Uh, I, as you're you guys welcome. know. Yeah, thank you. Uh, as you know, I am, uh, I am a huge fan. Uh, did I tell you about how, uh, several of the UK tanks have a built in, uh, tea kettle? You did, yeah, and that is such a strange feature, but what are you going to do at tea time if you don't have that tea kettle handy? I mean, just because you're in a war area doesn't mean you should stop being civilized. Exactly right, right. yes. <laughs> uh, all right, I've got a little uh, piece of news here if you want to read that one. Uh, yes. Okay, so we've talked before about autonomous cars, and we've got a lot of episodes on those because there are so many new developments regarding that, mm-hmm. right? Big changes. Big, big changes. Big changes. Sea changes. So, Scott, I don't know if you have heard this, but the news recently hit in March that an autonomous car is going to drive cross-country. I have 
just heard somebody say two or three sentences about this and nothing more. So I don't know a whole lot about it. So it already happened because on March 22nd, an autonomous car is uh, has set out from Golden Gate Bridge toward New York. It's going to be about a 3,500 mile trek. Uh, and it's uh, it's not the first one, right? Um, it's the first one to drive this way. But, you know, Audi, Google, Volvo, they've all been working in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the company doing this is Delphi. They build the stuff that goes into cars, mm-hmm. right? And so this uh, this self-driving car is based on a 2014 Audi SQ5. Um, and they apparently they chose it because they thought it was cool. That's that's the question. Audi uh, Audi is big into these uh, into these autonomous vehicles. They've done a lot. Yeah, with them. they've been doing a, a lot of stuff with autonomous vehicles, and they've still got one of the coolest, creepiest autonomous features ever, which is the car that will find a parking space for you. Yeah, the self valet. Yeah, and then come get you. Oh, I love that feature. It'll come back and pick you up when you're done shopping. Yeah, and uh, so we just want you to be aware uh, that there may be a robo road trip. Going on, I mean, yeah, they may have already passed you, passing through your area, because uh, uh, I mean it's kind of happening right now as we're doing this this broadcast. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. I wonder how they are handling the licensing, because right now, the last I heard, there were something like uh, I think there were four states that allowed autonomous vehicles, you know, driverless autonomous, yeah, you know, completely, yeah. completely driverless. I wonder if they are, if they have somebody in the back seat, or is it completely autonomous? I, I just don't, I don't know. I think even now for. um even even for states where that testing is licensed, the deal is that there has to be a human behind the wheel. Okay, just in case something goes wrong. All right. So so I, I mean we'll have to find more specific details about how it ex- actually happened, um, mm-hmm. or if they're just simply breaking the rules by going through the <laughs> go through the state huh? Yeah, I mean uh, it's a pass through, so why not? Yeah. Uh, the the idea here is I, I think uh, as much of a. PR move as it is an experiment, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm interested to see where it goes. We've talked before about whether you and I are going to end up being uh, old codgers somewhere telling uh, telling incredulous grandchildren that people used to drive their own cars. Yeah, You see that seat right there? I had to sit in that seat and it had (laughs) it had to be that one because there was a steering wheel there and Uh that looked like this. I'll draw you a picture. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I yeah. hope we don't get there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so, too. All right. I hope not, I guess. All right. So I've got another little bit of uh, listener mail here. Maybe one or two. How about that? Yeah, sounds All right. Good. So here's one from uh, Chris O. And Chris O writes in and says, thanks for the great podcast on 80s Econo cars. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Um, it brought back some great memories for me. I bought a 1991 Honda CRX HF new in 1991 when I was in college. It was my first new car. And the price was eighty nine ninety five. I remember that the passenger side rearview mirror was an option, and I didn't get AC either. I didn't get the mirror, didn't get the AC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's strange to think of of those as options, isn't right. it? I mean, yeah. it really is. It's so so weird. All right, so he says I used to get an average of forty two miles per gallon, and would get as high as fifty eight miles per gallon on the highway. Can you imagine that? That's crazy. It is. And but you know what? Miles per gallon Chris? falls right in line with the numbers that we were talking about in that podcast and and some went way way higher. I know a lot of people would be shocked at that now if you haven't listened to our 80s economy car podcast, take a listen because the uh, the stats on some of these older smaller uh you know very Spartan 
mm-hmm. economy cars were it was just amazing. It was incredible how far you could go on a gallon of gas back then. Yeah. Um, no and he said that, you know, this is kind of funny. He said that his dad thought it was a mistake because he recalled, you know, driving a 1967 Volkswagen Beetle that had 60 horsepower. And this is a 1991 you know, CRX HF with 62 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he got in, he realized it's not the same car at all. It's, it's no. completely different. You know, the torque specs are probably way different, too. Uh, and he said that, you know, aside from being well-built, he doesn't remember any rattles or shakes or or any, you know, excessive noise in the cabin. So it wasn't like it was it was extremely poorly built or anything. It was a, it was a, it was a well-built vehicle. It just didn't have the ABS, and it didn't have the electronic stability control. Power steering. Yeah, yeah, side airbags and all that stuff. It was just a a lightweight, good vehicle to drive. So um, thanks again for writing in, uh, Chris, and we we appreciate it. And uh, we got a lot of response about that 80s economy car podcast. We sure did, yeah. People with fond memories of those Mm -hmm. cars and saying things like, and I, I hear this often from people that had cars of that era, and I feel the same way. If I had known... (laughs) <laughs> then when I sold that car, what I know now, yeah. I would love to still be able to drive my Ford Festiva or my Honda CRX. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to go back and get that kind of miles now. Now, I understand it's probably a one-star crash rating and not very safe. Sure. However, um, it, it was a fun car to drive. It was also inexpensive to operate and own. You could work on it yourself. There were so many benefits to those cars. And, and I, I, I got note after note after note from people saying – Similar things that, you know, I wish that I had held onto that car, even if it was until now, because that's maybe, you know, that that's there's no way to do that. I don't think hold on to one of these for 30 plus years or 40 years. It's tough. But, um, you know, if, if they had just held on to another five or six years, they would have been much happier than with the car that they ended up with for the next you know span of five or six years. Yeah. No kidding. I'm over explaining this. So let's no, move no, on. What, who's next? Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a good one. This is one from, uh, let's see, this one comes from Derek H. And Derek H. wrote in with, uh, this is pretty interesting, and this may lead to a future podcast for us. Hmm. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right don't miss it mark your calendars and be the first to see it march 20th at 7 p.m eastern only on iHeartRadio's youtube channel save the date at new-qx80.com 2025 qx80 coming this summer okay quick math the less your business spends on operations on multiple systems on delivering your product or service the more margin you have and the more money you keep obvious But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. He says, I was fortunate enough to learn how to drive a stick shift in a 1999 Ford F-150. And then I heard about what is either called semi-automatic or automatic stick shift. And I heard that they were used in the VW Super Beetle, but I have no idea how they work. How they or how they came about, but it's also some is is there some kind of advantage to them uh, that full manual doesn't have? Now, I was thinking he was talking about the auto stick feature that we see now in modern day cars, right? Yeah, kind that you know, and we do have something like that, and it's called different things for different manufacturers, sure, it's but proprietary sport mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you you shift it into a different section of the uh, of the manual or rather the automatic selector, and you're able to upshift downshift as you normally would, and usually it's electronically limited, so you don't destroy your engine on the highway. Right, because yeah. it's pretty easy to do because it's just a bump uh, that causes it to upshift or downshift without a clutch. And what he is talking about specifically, because he mentions the VW Super Beetle, and I had to look this up because I was un- unfamiliar. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, I think it ended in the 1970s, Volkswagen used um, something they called automatic stick shift, and it was a very similar to the system that uh, Chrysler used in the 1940s and 1950s called fluid drive. And it basically uses a um, a fluid coupling in place of uh, like a standard flywheel um, on a manual transmission vehicle. So it's kind of this hybrid between shifting and not having to shift. And I, I feel like it warrants its own podcast because there's no way I'm going to be able to describe it right here in this quick little bit here. Yeah, but, we'll need a full show. But, Derek, we will definitely come back to this topic and uh, and cover it because – um, I think it's fascinating enough, you know, that, and maybe we can even trace the history of this thing, just the operation of it, because this is exactly what we do. We like to we like to describe how things work, and and to be able to describe this in a little more detail would would be fitting for our show. Yeah, that's a really good idea, Derek, and thank you for sending it our way. Oh, and there's one more quick thing, Ben, from from Derek. Uh huh. Um, he says uh, this is an earlier email from I think mid February sometime. He says I heard, I just heard the podcast about the VW Beetle, and I was wondering about modern Beetles. Are they in any way similar to the original, or are they just made to look like it? And that, that's, that one's pretty easy to answer. Uh, they're completely different. They they're, are so different. The, the the body shape is generally made to look like the old old vehicle, uh, but they are completely different. That's There's that's a, about it. That's where it ends right there. They share the same DNA, but that's it. Yeah, I I think it's a lot to say this. They share the same DNA. <laughs> okay. It's kind of like they're they're wearing 
what looks like the same outfit. Now, I love the old Beatles. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But the new one, greatly improved. And, and you know, when they first came out, from, from when they first came out to the, the next generation, also greatly improved. Big so leap, yeah. If, you, if you're looking at a, a brand new one, something from 2014, 2015, I don't know when the, the new redesign was, uh-huh. uh, but definitely look at something from there. And, and you'll see, if you compare them, you know, side by side, you'll see that nothing really is the same. Could I could I do something that's a little bit topical, a little bit pop culture? Of course. We haven't talked about this on the show, Scott, and I want your opinion on this. Oh. So, as you know, listeners, uh, we are car fans in our personal lives. So, Scott, you and I spend time watching stuff. Like We listen to Car Talk, right, when mm-hmm. it was on, um, and we're such huge fans that we did an episode on it. Uh, we also watch Top Gear, both of us. Yes. Uh, and... We have not talked on air or even off air, actually, about Top Gear and the future of it and Jeremy Clarkson, that whole thing. Yeah, with the BBC letting Clarkson go, right? Yeah, here's what happened. Have you heard about it? You know, I have, and I've only, I've been kind of monitoring this from a distance. I don't really know all the details, but it seems like every day there's something like, uh, you know, Clarkson's, uh, you know, uh, expletive-filled rant about the BBC and you know, at some party, and then uh, fans showing up to protest that he's been let go, and they want him back. They want him reinstated. And I don't know where everything stands right now, as of as of today. Well, apparently, the the whole the whole brouhaha began because uh, he got in a physical altercation with a producer, right? Mm-hmm. Punched the producer, who's not pressing charges, but. You know, the, the rest of the team, the other two guys are not going to do the show without him. Yeah. That's what, that's what my money is on because they're, they're sort of, they're like, well, we're, we're a three part team. Sure. We don't do, uh, you'd have to get entirely new hosts, right? And the massive outpouring of support, uh, for Jeremy Clarkson from the fans is, is great because he, he, he's not a guy who pulls his punches. You no, know? no, no. He's a, he's a straight shooter. And the thing is, Okay, I've also read somewhere, and this is just one line somewhere that said this is uh, maybe not the first time this has happened either. <laughs> right? Know, there's, yeah. uh, there's, there may be <laughs> there may be some precedent to this situation that uh, that that led the BBC to act in the way that they did, and I can't comment on that anyway because I don't I don't know how this whole thing is is uh, is stacking up at this point. But mm-hmm. it does seem like without Clarkson, without the other members of the show, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the same show at all. You know, they tried it here in the United States, um, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if that show is still on air or not. I don't think it's very popular. I think that it uh, initially wasn't very well received, and uh, and I, I understand that. It's just not the original, and that's that's what happens when you try to copy the original. It just is not 100%. Right, yeah. People don't – I'm not saying uh, Top Gear USA is a knockoff, but people thought about it that way, a lot of its critics, and it's a case of if it's not broke, why try to fix it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's here's why I bring all this up, because there was a little bit of news that just came out today via Jalopnik. Uh, the, at least that's how I found out about it. Uh, the BBC is going to work to make Top Gear continue oh. in 2016. Well, that's good news. So in their uh, in their statement here, uh, they said that uh, the BBC will work to renew Top Gear TV for 2016. Uh but it it's probably going to have to be with other presenters. Oh, oh, okay. Unless well, they get and unless they somehow 
uh, squash the beef with uh, Clarkson. All right. So I said initially good news, but maybe that's not good news because this may be the end of, of Top Gear, really, if it's not well received. Now, you know, it's it's been around a long time. He mm-hmm. wasn't the original presenter. So yeah. it is there is a precedent. It's possible. But uh, we'll just we'll just have to see. I hope you guys like Top Gear as much as I do. And I'd love to hear uh, about your favorite episodes. Probably my still still my favorite clip is Jeremy Clarkson in the mini cars. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that, the world's smallest car. Yeah yeah, that, yeah. 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 That's a good one. I also like the one where he was in the uh, the Robin Reliant. And yeah. continually rolling over because it was a three-wheel design. You remember that? Yes. That was hilarious. That was a great one. I mean, there's so many good episodes of that. I just, uh, I hate to see it go if it does go, but um, I just don't know if it would be accepted with a new set of hosts. I, I don't think that it would be. And that that's a shame because um, it's it's a great program. It really is. Yeah. I really like it. Well, let us know what you think, listeners. And uh, if, you, if you have some ideas for, if, if you could picture anyone past or present, at any time in history, hosting Top Gear, who would it be? One of my picks, of course, is Henry Ford, because he would go nuts on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Ford, yeah. That's an impossible pick, but uh, that would be cool to see. Hypothetically, anywhere yeah. in history. <laughs> All right, wait, what do you got? Oh, man. Okay, well, how about this? Let's switch over to, um, how about Stuff Scott Sees? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to do that? While, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a few here, and you can stop me anytime you want, but there's a, a few things, and I've only got maybe three or four. Um, one thing that I, I think I briefly mentioned this at the head was that it was, I recently saw my first Cadillac ELR on the road. Yeah, you did mention and that. It was right outside of where we work now in downtown Atlanta. And it was, uh, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful car. It's really, really nice. I mean, it was a black vehicle. It was in the morning, you know, the, the sunlight was hitting it just right. It looked really good. One thing that I noticed about this car is that it's very small for a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Now it's not small. Otherwise, it's just a, it's just a, a small Cadillac. Yeah. It didn't have the right proportions. I didn't feel. Now, it's it's gorgeous. The body shape and everything was really nice. I mean, it just it seemed to look like a great vehicle. But this this thing, you got to remember, it's a seventy five thousand dollar car. Mm-hmm. It's built on top of what is the Chevy Volt, so that's why the uh, the short wheelbase. Right. And it's about forty thousand dollars more than the Chevy Volt. But again, you're paying for all the Cadillac bells and whistles. You're paying for you know. The, I mean, it's a it's a serious upgrade in what you get compared to the Volt, obviously. Yeah, and just to be absolutely fair about this, that seventy five thousand dollar price tag doesn't include the different subsidies that Uncle Sam will give you. Yeah, you're right, and you know there's some incentives that you can take advantage of to to drop that price a little bit. But I mean, still seventy five thousand dollars for what's essentially a Chevy Volt. I mean, <laughs> in the past you've been paying for not only all the uh, all the bells and whistles that make it a Cadillac, as far as um, interior comfort and, and appearance and all that, you know, the badging, I guess. Right. But you're also getting a Cadillac drivetrain, which I know is taken from other vehicles too, you know, depending on, uh, you know, what model you got. If you got the CTS-V or if you had just the standard Cadillac or if you had, um, you know, the, the ATS or whatever, mm-hmm. they had their own, their own setup. But if you are just simply taking the Cadillac body and, and laying it on top of the, uh, the Volt, right. um, I don't know. Is it worth forty thousand dollars more? I mean, is it is it really worth that that uh, price of entry? I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's got a thirty-seven mile range, um, so it's not fantastic range on it by any means. If you go all electric, I think the range is considerably more. Obviously, it's like three hundred and forty if you go um, hybrid. Yeah, yeah, hybrid. I mean, so it's you know you're you're partially operating on you know the battery, partially on the uh, combustion engine, mm-hmm. but. 
37 mile range for all electric. And that's really the big selling point in this thing, I guess, is that it is a hybrid and that you can go all electric if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about the Cadillac ELR. I mean, it's again, it's it's a pretty car. Sure. But I, I just don't know if I'm really behind the idea of it or not. But is it PFP pretty for the price? Ah, know? yeah, that's true. I'm a bit skeptical about the price. I'll admit that freely. Personally, right now, if I were to get an electric car, and this is just me, I, I wouldn't be getting that one. No. What would you pick? Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen, and it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Would you go Ooh. Tesla? Now that's if all. If I could get anything, well, that's all electric versus hybrid. Right. This has the. Uh, this has kind of the safety net of being a hybrid. Yeah. If it were, if I had my druthers, if I could get anything, then I would probably go. Yeah, Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, for sure. Because we're in the ballpark of the price. I mean, I know Tesla's a little more than that. Still, even. 
for even though I think the uh, the lower end Tesla, right? I believe it's another ten thousand more, or eleven thousand, or something like that, in, in addition to that seventy five k. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't think that would be my pick either. I mean, I, I love the Cadillac brand and name and you know everything about it, but uh, I just don't know if I could do it for something like that. All right, here's another vehicle, Ben. That I don't have a whole lot to say about this thing, but I just wanted to get it out there that I saw one on the road because it's it's a pretty remarkable car in person. I mean, it's dramatic. I saw a 2015 Corvette Z06 on the road. It was a white one. Wow. Of all colors. It's a white car. It's not a, not a red Corvette or anything. It's a right. white Corvette. And I only saw it for about maybe 200 feet on the on the highway before it exited. But, man, did the guy driving that thing look happy. I mean, he really did. He had a huge smile on his face. And I don't know if, I don't know if he just picked it up because there's a, there's a big Chevy dealer that's right off the highway that, you know, we were, that I was traveling on. And I could see it coming from that dealership and him taking it home or whatever, you know, or to another dealership or whatever yeah. he's doing. But the guy had a huge grin on his face and I can understand why it's a beautiful car. I mean, to see it in person, it's, it's striking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it stands out even. Against other Corvette, I mean, it just looks that much dramatically different. It's a really, really cool package. Yeah, it's weird when you th- when you think about it. I'm glad we're doing stuff Scott sees because now that we've moved to a different place with a great view of the main drag down here, uh, I anticipate we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff. But I, I got to be honest, man. One thing I miss about where we used to work is that we could walk out on our lunch break, and I knew I would see three exotics if I just walked like for 20 minutes. Yeah, that uh, that Buckhead region of Atlanta mm-hmm. is just rich with uh, with exotics and and foreign vehicles that you just don't see anywhere else and uh, it's so strange the way that 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 happened right there in that uh 4 or 5 miles of road. The Lambos alone, man. It and it truly was like it really it's so strange, but it, I mean, at lunchtime you would see four or five like hyper exotic cars out yeah. there. I mean, just going to lunch. And then the Oscar Wiener, Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cruises through. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of everything out there, but, but what other place? I mean, okay. Maybe Miami. Yeah. You know, if you're in downtown Miami, you might see something like mm-hmm. there's similar scene, I guess, but it's, yeah. it's a really, it's, it's a strange car scene there in, in Buckhead, Atlanta. I might go up there again just to car watch. Yeah. Sure. Uh, because it, re- it made me feel like I was in Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> And don't worry, guys. I didn't try to steal a car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but what else have you seen? Okay, let's see. Um, okay, here's one that's just. I don't even know if this is automotive related, and maybe it's a maybe it's a topic that you and I can work into a uh, into a show. Okay. All right. So loosely automotive related. Um, <laughs> I was driving through Indiana recently. Um, had a long trip, and maybe I'll talk about this in a little while. But um, I was in northern Indiana, mm-hmm. and I saw a particular motel. You know, like not a hotel, but a motel. The kind you would drive right up to the door and park, and you know you get the key and go in. Kind of like the uh, like the Bates Motel or something, right? <laughs> and uh, in this case, very much like that. This was this one was called the Wolf. Uh, it's called Wolf's Motor Inn, and it's in Northern Indiana. And it was run down. It was it was abandoned. Uh, you know, the, the the sign was falling down. You know, there's weeds in the parking lot and everything. And it did look a lot like the Bates Motel to me. I mean, it was that kind of look, right? Uh huh. But I was thinking, I was, I was just wondering that we don't we don't really see a whole lot of those functioning anymore. I mean, I know there's a few here and there, yeah. but that used to be the thing, you know, that you would pull into these, uh, these motor ins or, mm. and I know that's a brand name, I think motor in, but, um, it seems like there might be some type of car culture topic that ties into this, that, um, you know, the, the death of the, of the motor ins or the of death the of the, uh, the, the motels. Yeah. Um, but, but picture exactly like, you know, something exactly like the Bates motel. And you know that there's, 
hundreds of those that are abandoned all across the United States, particularly. Sure. And, and again, exactly like what happened on in the movie Psycho, hmm. the highway bypasses that area and that business just dries up. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. You know, the main the main roads are bypassed. Or, you know, what was the main road, a two lane mm-hmm. highway mm-hmm. for a super, you know, super highway, an interstate system. And uh, and those just kind of dried up and died and went away. But the buildings remain, you know, the signs remain from the 1940s, 1950s. Yeah. It was part of car culture in, in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can do something with that or not, but it's so cool to look at. Part of the part of the road trip culture. They're also. You know, people call them tourist traps. Uh, there, there's still a lot of those. Now, I'll, I'll tell you that when I go back up to Appalachia in that, in that area, you see a lot of that stuff. And, and there are quite a few that survive due to tourism, mm-hmm. you know, but with the rise of, uh, the, the big business, uh, hotels and, uh, the, like express versions they've made of themselves. Yeah. It's pretty tough for a local business to compete with that kind of economy of scale. Well, these are places that, you know, the house right next to it is the people that own it. Right. And if they're going to, if they're going to renovate, which most of them haven't been renovated in 30 years, 40 years or whatever. Yeah. uh, Because the ones that you do see are pretty run down. I know there's examples out there that are nice, but most of them are run down. If they're going to renovate, they've got to buy 20 beds. They got to buy twenty uh, mm. sets of dressers and, and nightstands and stuff like that, and and they're just not going to be able to do that to keep up with the big brands. And yeah. that's what happened. But it, it's fascinating to me to see these places and to think about what happened at those places. As far as you know, like what kind of cars would you see there in the nineteen forties in the parking lot? How, oh yeah, you know, just think about like old photographs that you've seen of of you know those those motels with just a, a line of cars from the 1940s and 50s, mm-hmm. or even earlier, because, you know, people drive an older wrecks at that time, right? You know, from the 1930s. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so there's some fascinating car history type stuff there. I don't know. It's a loose association. I get it. But but maybe there's something to do there, you know, for, for car stuff, an upcoming episode. Yeah, let us know. Maybe. Because I, I'd love to do something on the, the rise and fall of motor lodges and maybe – like Mark Twain said, maybe the reports of their death have been exaggerated. Oh, maybe. That would be great. Maybe. Uh, let's see. I've got, well, let's see. You got something else you saw? Okay. How about one more quick thing? Right. And I won't spend too much time no, on no, this. No, no. Again, on that same trip, I was driving through, uh, and this is uh, in the, uh, let's see, I guess it would have been early March. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky, of all places, had just had a huge snowstorm. It was almost like when you first went across the border, it was like right at the border. Uh-huh. They had a lot of snow. And it was right on the side of the road. It had just been cleared from the night before. And for, for Kentucky, it's a lot of snow, not anywhere north of that, but, um, for Kentucky, it was. <laughs> right. And, um, coming back, you know, they, this happened when I was there and it was only like a three day trip. So when I came back, um, I saw on the side of the road, and there were a lot of cars that had spun off and, you know, they're 50 feet off the road, 60 feet off the road and they're backwards and, you know, facing straight up in a ditch and that kind of thing. Cause, you know, it's Kentucky. They don't really know how to drive in the snow. I get it. I understand that the terrain's not there and the, you know, the equipment and everything isn't available. Mm-hmm. There was one car in particular that I saw, and I passed it going fast on the highway, so I didn't get a good, a real good look at it. This is so weird. Most people, when they pull off to the side, they pull way off to the side, right? And the car is relatively safe. It gets buried from the snow plows or whatever. I understand that. And it's piled up to the door. Well, this car was, I mean, right on the road, on the, on the expressway, like Interstate 75. Yeah. And yes. it was right on the side, so that almost like the the... You know, the driver's side mirror was in the lane of traffic for the slow lane. Oh, wow. It was that close. And now there's just snow all around it. But what was unusual about this one car now, it's a kind of like it was almost like an economy car. And it wasn't real badly like smashed or anything. 
but the entire left side of the car was missing every panel. What? How? Every panel. And I thought this was weird. Now I thought, how is you, I thought the same thing. How is that possible? I think a snowplow probably clipped this thing oh. after the driver had pulled over to the side of the road. So they haven't come back yet to see it, you know, because oh. there's snow still piled around it. But the, the panels, like the, the rear quarter panel, the driver's door, and the front uh, panel, the front fender, were all missing. And you could see, like, you know, that, that crosswork of braces uh, that's just below the panel, just below the panel itself. Crazy. But how weird that it would be stripped away like that and, and cleanly and without, you know, the car being thrown off to the side of the road or anything like that. It was like it just barely nipped it enough to, to pull those off. And I don't even know how that's possible, Ben. I don't yeah. I was the car driven there like that? I don't, I don't think that it was because of where it was positioned and how it looked. I thought this, this car has just been stripped. Like it, it, a, a snowplow must have just ripped the whole side off the car. Hmm. It's a, it was a weird thing. Yeah. And I hope the people inside were and okay. Here's Maybe. how, here's how weird it was. I, I, I truly thought about going to the next exit, coming back, parking somewhere behind it and taking a photograph of it. But there's no way because of where it was positioned. I would have had to have stood on the highway to take the photo and there's no way I'm going to do that. Yeah. But it was that bizarre. Like, it was so strange to me to see that. I've never seen anything quite like that and so cleanly removed. So, yeah, there's a mystery there. Yeah, so I-, I mean, I almost feel like it was, you know, left there that way. But the yeah. but the but where it was and the appearance of it, it made it look like it had been in a horrific accident. And I can just imagine what an owner would think if they came back and found that vehicle like that. Well, now that we're talking about things that are a little bit more mysterious or maybe even creepy... I'd like to tell our listeners about something you already know about because I mentioned it to you. I don't think it's enough for a full podcast, so let's spend some time talking about it now. Uh, rental cars. We've all had experience with rental cars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you mind your P's and Q's, if you're very careful about what you agree to in the beginning, it can be a great deal. Ah, but there's a lot of fine print. There is so much fine print, yes. There's a dictionary's worth of fine print. And it's becoming more complicated. Another story that recently hit the news as of uh, March of this year. I can tell you almost exactly when. It was probably uh, March, I'm going to guess, 16th or 17th, somewhere uh, in there. Right around, yeah. It's got to be there. Good guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what we're talking about, right? Oh, yes, I do. So, guys, Hertz, one of the largest names in uh, in car rental business, has now decided that they are going to install cameras, but wait, also microphones in cars as part of their GPS navigation system. Oh, boy. Yeah, but before you worry about Big Brother, don't worry uh, about Hertz because they said they're not going to watch you. Specifically, what they said is that they don't have the capability installed right now to watch you. Sure they don't. Yeah, right. I know. This is bringing out my tinfoil hat. Well, sure. hey, okay, here's the thing. We've all seen the dash cam footage, right, of, of you know, from the crazy stuff that happens in Russia to right, right here in the United States or right. wherever, Australia, yeah. it doesn't matter. It happens everywhere. But the dash cams have a microphone built in. So it's also record, recording uh, the, the cockpit audio, the, the you know, when you're driving the vehicle, the, yeah. I guess the cabin audio. It's not Cabin audio. Yeah, yeah, the cabin audio plus video. And I bet it's a, I mean, it's probably just a way to, you know, a CYA move on their part. Uh, mm-hmm. To say, well, if anything does happen in this rental car, um, we've we've got video proof. Uh, hang on, though. Uh, this, uh, hang on. The the cameras are driver facing. Oh, what? Yeah, they're driver facing. So they're not even 
facing out the front window where I would think that they would be, like any other dash cam would be. Right. These are facing at the driver and recording audio of what the driver's doing. Yeah. And Video and audio. These are in some of the, uh, these are in some of the cars. Hertz apparently told uh, Fusion that around one out of every eight cars had its camera installed. But don't worry, they're not actually going to use them. Why would they ever need to watch what the driver is doing? I don't understand. There has to be some precedent for this. What I mean, do, I mean, maybe you don't even know the answer to this. I don't. I have not heard this anywhere. But what is the reason that they need to watch the driver while they're they're driving their rental car? All right, I've got you. You ready? Yeah. This statement uh, comes to us via CNET. Uh, Hertz spokeswoman Evelyn Imperatrice says the cameras in Never Lost Six units aren't functional and cannot be turned on under any circumstances by either renters or by the company. When we chose the new hardware device for Never Lost Six, that's their proprietary GPS, we included a camera option in the event that a video conferencing function might be a useful future application that renters would welcome. Okay, so how many times have we heard though that somebody can hack in and they can uh, they can watch you from your own laptop? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, via that little camera that's there. How long before you think that uh, someone? Well, you know what? It doesn't even have to be someone hacking in. This could just be somebody in the Hertz company mm-hmm. that decides I'm going to switch that camera on while that person's renting and just see what they're up to. Not not necessarily thinking that they're going to catch them doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. Just uh, just out of curiosity, like let's see what this let's see what this person's doing, where they are. Uh, she continues the spokesperson to say we have always intended that the video conferencing function like our rental kiosk which have video conferencing capability could only be activated by renters at their sole discretion if for example they were lost in an accident or their vehicle broke down they preferred to interact with a hertz employee through live video chat okay big big difference here is that you're standing you're stepping up to a video kiosk knowing that you were filling out a form you know you're there to do a certain task right Driving a car, you think you think when you close that door and you drive away from the uh, the dealership or the uh, the rental facility, you think you're on your own. You think that you're alone in that car. Now, whether that's an, you know somebody who's uh, singing along, you know, to the radio, and you know they would otherwise be embarrassed if somebody were to see them doing that. Right. Uh, I don't know, picking your nose. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but but I bet they're they're trying to catch people that maybe are drinking while driving, sure, texting while driving. Um, uh, maybe buy- somebody steals a car. Yeah, violating. Oh, that, you know what? That's okay. Maybe that's a good use for it. But but that's a slippery slope to say like that's a good use for it. Let's leave it in because there's all these other reasons that they shouldn't leave it in. So so I'm yeah. not going to agree to that either. But this is a huge invasion of privacy. I mean, it really is. But but if you're violent, they're they're going to use it to catch you violating parts of that contract that you may not even know are there in the fine fine line. So let's say that you do. Stop at a stoplight and you feel it's safe to text somebody. Now, I know you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, yeah, you, but, you're texting. Yeah. But let's say that you do that, and in there you had initialed something that said that I, I agree to pay a fine of X number of dollars if, if I'm caught violating any of these conditions, and, and that's one of those things. Or what if um, what what if you're eating? What if you're oh people smoking sure. in the car? Distracted driving. Now, distracted, distracted driving, driving could be something that they have on a checklist, like I agree to not uh, yeah. not engage in distracted driving. But, you know, sipping a soda that you got at a uh, at a gas station a mile down the road and they happen to flip on the camera and see you doing that, they'll take a still of that. And then when you return the vehicle, they'll say, by the way, we're charging you 50 extra dollars. And here's the reason. Here's a photo of you with your big gulp uh, from the racetrack gas station. So just on a personal note, uh, uh, some of our listeners know that one of the shows I do is about 
this kind of stuff, right? And uh, you've actually appeared on that show before. Too. I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the with that in mind, I understand that I, I would probably have a clear personal bias against this stuff. But this is all kinds of unsafe to me in term for for consumers. Uh, and this is nothing against Hertz because the reasons that they're giving are valid. They're protecting their property, right? Sure. You don't own the car. You rent a car as part of a service. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if other rental companies will start doing this or if this is going to be something that, um, like what's another company, like if Avis would start doing this, because mm-hmm. if Avis doesn't, then they might get a lot more people coming in just with these privacy concerns. And, and, and I want to hear what you think about this too, listeners. Is this right? Wrong? Where, where does this fall? Yeah. This is a strange one. And I hope I don't sound too conspiracy theory, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, out there or anything, but, but honestly, like it just seems like a huge violation of your privacy. It really does. And, and I don't even know if they, they are upfront with the customers when you check out a car. I don't, I don't know all the details of how the, the, the process goes if they say, you know, by the way, this vehicle is equipped with a brand new never lost system mm-hmm. and uh, there is a camera that faces towards you. We may choose to switch that on at some point. Right. Yeah. They said they don't have the bandwidth now, but I, I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to see uh, how this develops. And if you've had experience with this, let us know what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate to say it, man, but we're running a little low on time. Yeah, we are. We're running a little bit low on time. So stay tuned for our next episode. In the meantime, if you enjoy Nuts and Bolts this time around, then, oh, buddy, we have 13 more that you could check out. Uh, So please give it a listen. You can find us at CarStuffShow.com. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We'd like to hear from you on both of those where we are CarStuffHSW. And if you have something that we should read on the air then let us know oh by the way uh thanks to eric chris and derek for the excellent emails and if you want to take a page out of their book and suggest a topic for us tell us a story or tell us what you think about those creepy hertz cameras uh then we're all ears you can email us at car stuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. 
Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today.